The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. The draft is in the back, in the rearview mirror. Man, we did it. Uh, it's going to be a fun show if you check out the full draft recap shows in the feed as well. We are going to break down every single NFC team and give them a grade based on their draft class. And then tomorrow, we'll come back and hit every single AFC team. It's a super friend show. Get excited. Uh, of course, we have Thursday, Friday, and Saturday reaction shows that you can go check out. Make sure down, if you, even if you haven't, like, even if you took the week off from, we can offer listen to podcasts, go download them. Hook us up. Uh, we'll have more draft coverage and, uh, fallout throughout the week. And of course, you can watch us, Super Friends, every day, 4 p.m. Eastern on CBS Sports HQ. Our 24-7 streaming sports network, you can access it on your CBS Sports app, Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, your phone. Go to cbssports.com slash live if you want to watch us. Throw us on the TV. Uh, it is a fun, a, a ha-ha, yuck, yuck, fun fest, as Pete Prisco likes to say. And, I mean, yeah, the draft's over, but we're still a daily podcast. We will be daily. We've been daily for two-plus years now, and we will not stop, no matter how much I beg for us to go to three days a week in the offseason. Um Ryan Wilson, Sean Wagner, John Breach. What's happening, fellas? I don't know how Ryan has time to be podcasting with us right now because I thought for sure he'd already be working on his uh, 2021 mock draft. Breach, it will be out as you listen to this podcast, I would imagine. And uh, also, uh, in addition to that 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock show that Brinson just mentioned, I'll be talking about that 2021 mock draft at 6.30 p.m. Eastern time, Monday on CBS Sports HQ. Also, because apparently I'm never going to get a day off, I'll be on a, <laughs> I'll be on HQ from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. with Pete Prisco going over his grades. So I'm double dipping on the on the grade stuff. I'm surprised Sean has any time to be podcasting with us because I thought for sure he would be out writing love letters to Jay Cutler. Wow. No, but but I am wearing my Jay Cutler jersey to show support for my man in his time of need. I'm Wait. actually surprised that Breach has time to podcast with us because. I think that he's out there in a Twitter beef with Dick Vitale. <laughs> I don't think it's much of a – is it a beef? Big jam. Wallace took it in his hands and said, up, up, and away. Sexy dude, Dunkaroo. Oh, diaper doggy. Yeah. Shout out to Devo for pulling freaking Vitale's out. Uh, Dick Vitale, for those that didn't see, breach wrote some story disparaging Tom Brady's uh, uh, qualities as a human, and Dick Vitale tweeted out, I think he, I, I think he indirectly called you a know nothing or like a, or like a nobody. He's like, Oh, they're nobodies, baby. They're trying to take down Tom Brady. No way. Don't let them do it, Tommy. Uh, Sean and, and John, have you ever met anyone that revels in other people's misery as much as Brenton? Oh, what a big jam. Wallace took it in his hands and said, well, 
it's hilarious because no, nobody, <laughs> nobody loves a beef more than Brinson. When right. Brinson gave us like the ultimate beef over the weekend, I won't bring up on the podcast, but I will say on the Dick Vitale thing is that the story. By the way, if you want to, if you want to hear about that beef that happened, you can go to BrinsonSportsOnline.com and check it out. <laughs> <laughs> or go to Brinson's Twitter, uh, if that site doesn't work for some reason. Uh, but so. Brady, the whole thing is, you know, the whole thing where he trespassed in that guy's house, went over to Byron Leftwich's house. Well, you're not allowed to meet with your coaches during the offseason. And so Brady ostensibly broke some rules here. Teams want to see him punished. Uh, R. Jason Lock and Four reported that. Florio reported that there's multiple teams mad at Brady. And, and, and both guys reported that, that a lot of teams want to see him punished, want to see the Buccaneers punished. Uh, so And the NFL hasn't responded on whether or not something is going to happen. Uh, but Brady apparently broke some rules. That's all. I mean, like, like Dak Prescott can't go meet with Mike McCarthy right now. Like that, right. like that would, it would be a huge deal and people would be up in arms about it. I, I, and also how about Tom Brady sort of being an a-hole and going to a closed park and, and working out like everybody, I know you're rich, but like, you know, like just cause you're rich doesn't mean you get to use the parks that no one else can use. Also, doesn't he have a big yard? How much did he spend on his house? Like, I feel like this is the time now where you're rich. dollars a month in rent. Like, what What are you doing here? I, I don't think he has a huge yard. I think his backyard is, like, on the bay. There's a pool. There's not a lot of workout area. But if you live in a 7,000-square-foot house, there's got to be a gym in there or two. I mean, uh, surely there's a dumbbell laying around. Like, That's why no one can buy dumbbells. He bought yeah, all look, of them. I'm looking at three dumbbells right now. <laughs> Play the Dickie V music. <laughs> When someone gets dunked on. That is, yeah, yeah, that is, Devo, that is perhaps your finest work. Hey, I got a quick question. Sean, did you refer to what you're wearing as a jersey? Yeah, because it's like a jersey, but it's like the cheap guy and it's like a t-shirt. No, it's just a t-shirt with a number printed on it. It's not a jersey at all. It has a name on it. No, I said it's a jer- it's a t-shirt with a number printed on it. It's yeah, not a jersey. They're jerseys. No, 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 no. the word jersey is is unacceptable. It's just it's you can't. This is it. where this is where Brinson draws. Why it. why isn't it a jerk? Uh, <laughs> Google jersey. That's um. Uh, I think it's a thing. It has its own Wikipedia. It's, it's, like, it's like our pal Jonathan Jones said on on Saturday. The phrase man cave. It, it just let's just stop it. Just stop it, okay? Man cave sucks. The phrase man cave sucks. The phrase jersey sucks. Let's get rid of it. And what while we, it, what, oh, sorry, I was about to go oh, off. Oh, <laughs> I have one. I just want to know what, how to popularly refer, how to properly refer to them. A man cave or a, or a jersey? I'm not calling it a jersey. A man cave. I, you know what? I, it's 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 incredibly inefficient. But I'm so against the word jersey that I call it a t-shirt jersey. Let's <laughs> call it a shirt. I mean, Breach is right. It's a shirt. No, yeah. A, if I can't say jersey, I'm just calling it a shirt. They'd call it a shirt. Just stop nope. saying jersey. Okay. What do you call Relax. It? See, this is literally the first time I've used this phrase on the podcast. You're acting like I'm a serial offender of this. You and, should hear. You should hear the word jersey coming out of your mouth. And, and just now, in case you've now said the word more times than I have on this podcast. Well, just in case anyone didn't know, Sean <laughs> is wearing this Jay Cutler jersey because Jay Cutler is getting divorced. So some people might have missed that headline. And so uh, that is why Sean is going to move to Nashville and uh, start going on. What you gonna start doing bar crawls with Jay Cutler down on Broadway? Is that your plan, Sean? At night, he is. During the day, he's gonna be your Manny. <laughs> there you go. Done and done. That is. That is. Wilson, you should just hang up right now. Uh, <laughs> let's get this started. I got stuff to do. All right, let's get to the grades. Um, 
Yeah, I use the phrase. Yeah, we have a mud room in our house, not a man cave. Uh, completely different what? thing. You know what a mud room is? No, it's all over. I mean, if you live in the Northeast, everyone has a mud room. But yeah, it's not a North Carolina thing. It's sort of funny that you have one. It's a it's a a southern thing. You had one growing up? Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Our maid has a mudroom. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Let's get let's get to these grades. All right. So we're gonna go division by division, and we have taken the eight divisions and split them up across uh the four super friends. And so we're gonna start with the NFC East. Ryan Wilson is grading the teams from the NFC East, and then we will uh, volley back and forth about whether Wilson's grades are correct. Uh, there's no specific reasoning for the order except that Debo wanted to talk about the Eagles first so he could whine about Jalen Hurts like the rest of these Eagles fans. But just real quickly on the Eagles before we get to the NFC East, grow up, Eagles yeah, well, fans. I'm waiting about Eagles fans. I'm this sure. is ridiculous. You're showing your ass. It's ridiculous. You, 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 this guy's right here like calling for Howie Roseman to be fired. Howie Roseman has built one of the best rosters in all of football, and he believes correctly that you need to have depth at the quarterback position. So he used a second-round pick on Jalen Hurts, a guy that he identified as a possible starter in the future in the NFL. He probably thinks he can trade him if he doesn't end up needing him. You won a Super Bowl because your backup, who got $11 million over two years to replace Chase Daniel, who got $21 million over three years, had to step in and played really well. He's got a friggin' statue in front of the stadium. Don't question Howie Roseman when he uses a second-round pick on a quarterback. Shut up, enjoy your Lombardi, and grow the bleep up. And put on your jersey. Uh, so I wanted to ask, uh, Devo, does, does Brinson's rant reflect true Eagles fans that you're talking to, or is that just him on Twitter? I think there's some semblance of truth with what Will is saying. I think the fire Howie Roseman crowd is probably 10%, and I don't identify with that 10% at all. I think the upset with the Jalen Hurts crowd is probably 75% or above, and I also don't identify with that crowd, but I get that more than the fire Howie Roseman spin that some people are putting out there. That is ridiculous, like Brinson said. I mean, like, look, I get it. You wanted a wide receiver there. I I understand it. But Howie did a good job of, you know, we'll get to the Eagles in a second. Let's just start with the Eagles and we're talking about them. They did a really good job identifying speed. And to me, what they, you know what, Ryan? I'm going to take a breath. Ryan, what's your grade for the Eagles draft? Uh, I will give, as I look over it again, and they traded for Marquise Goodwin. And did they trade for anyone else, Debo, or is that it? That's it. Okay, yeah. So speed out of the ears. Jalen Rager, I love. I love um, John Hightower, the the sort of speedy wide receiver out of Boise State. I love. I told Debo this uh, on the pod on must have been Friday night or maybe Saturday. Davion Taylor, the linebacker out of Colorado. Uh, I give this like I feel like this is a solid B, and I would go a little higher. Actually, it's a B plus. Sorry, B plus. I, I uh, Prince Tega Wanaga, they got late. A lot of people thought Ryan, Ryan Ryan graded these in advance of the podcast, in case you were wondering. <laughs> well, I'm on. I'm on the. Oh, I am doing the Eagles. Sorry. Oh, I, I see. I, I'm, I'm just looking at the rundown. Well, look. In my defense, I drove home from Stanford, Connecticut today. I saw my kids for 45 minutes, and I ran downstairs. What are you making a face for? You're like I. I, I I drove in a car. <laughs> no, you've been, you've been working hard. Ryan was the superstar of HQ all weekend long. You're actually a little like, a little less peacocky than I thought you would be today. I thought you'd be sort of strolling in like Vince McMahon with a little bit of swagger. Why would I do that in front of my kids and my wife who don't care? I bet you had a big grin on your face when you walked in the house. Yeah. You're like, you're like, dad was, dad was great. And they're like, dad, we don't care. Just give us a toy. 
Uh, all right, Brent's is done projecting, so I'll continue. Uh, I give this a B plus. I, I, I love Jalen Rager. I, I'm fine with taking over uh, Justin uh, Jefferson. Jalen Rager was the number four wide receiver off the board, even though many people did not think that was going to happen. Kevon Wallace is going to be really good. He's sort of a slot slash safety type from Clemson. I, this is actually a really good draft. And the Jalen Hurts uh, thing, I have no issue with whatsoever. I, I think it makes a ton of sense. We talked about it on the podcast after it happened um, on Friday night. And um, So John Hightower... Quez Watkins, Jalen Rager, and Marquise Goodwin all ran sub four four forties at their respective combines. Obviously, Marquise Goodwin was, you know, what about Deshaun Jackson? Uh, Deshaun Jackson quite fast, but he was already on the roster. He wasn't acquired this weekend. I'm just thinking about the, all the total speed, though. Yeah, but I guess my point is that, and Sean, I'm curious what you think. It appears to me as if they are going with a like, let's go speed at receiver, and then we have our two tight ends. Good luck covering that combination. Yeah, and what I was going to say is that there are two teams that took quarterbacks that didn't necessarily need quarterbacks but planning for the future that drew a lot of criticism, the Packers and the Eagles. The difference with the Eagles is that they got a long-term piece in the quarterback, but then additionally with all their other picks, they made moves that Carson Wentz is going to love by adding all that speed to that team when you think about how inept they were at the receiver position a year ago with the difference with the Packers is they didn't supplement the Jordan Love pick with a bunch of receivers so that's why I think you can look at the Eagles draft and say they did a good job of mixing the short term and the long term and that's what teams should be doing they can't just be going into the year thinking of 2020 and 2021 you have to be thinking three or four years ahead at every juncture but they did a really good job I thought of mixing uh, immediate future and long-term future, and we all identified receiver as your biggest need going into it. And I think the Marquise Goodwin trade, I think that's a really good buy low with high upside. He was really good, was it two years ago, was, um, when, when they no, had nobody there? Before he got hurt, he was like turning into a number one wide receiver. Right, and it's because he's been around for so long. I think he might already be th- – he's t- 29 years old. But you look at what he did in San Francisco in 2017 – 962 yards, 17.2 yards per, per catch. He's not going to be a high volume guy, but I think that like he will have so many chances in that offense with all those receivers now. Breach, are you alive? Yeah, I'm alive. You guys said everything. I agree. I didn't know we were all weighing in on every grade. I thought we were going. No, I, will, I, I will say though that I agree with Brinson on the Jalen Hurts thing. I'll say real quick that, uh, you know, I think I was somebody who hated the Jordan Love move, which maybe I'll talk about later when we do the Packers grade. But with Jalen Hurts, I just feel like you have Carson Wentz, a quarterback who hasn't proven that he can stay healthy. And you do want, I mean, obviously having Nick Foles in your back pocket is why you won the Super Bowl in 2017. So for the Eagles, I do think this was a smart move. And as you guys already said, not only did they get that QB, but they got the receivers that they needed to get because that team needed receivers. So I felt like the Eagles did a really good job here. Well, I'll say... If the Eagles had drafted Jalen Hurts number 21 with that first-round leverage, like the Packers picked Love 26, I would not be as on board. But they addressed their top need wide receiver, a speed wide receiver, who they had number two on their draft board, whatever he ends up being. Number two overall or number two at wide receiver? They had him the number two receiver. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So people think they had Judy and then Rager. I, I, I think the I think the problem for Eagles fans too is that and this look this happens a lot and it happens to us as media members is that w- we spend months leading up to the draft and talk like how many how many mock drafts had Justin Jefferson going to the Eagles in the first round four billion I mean it, it's you get this 
you create expectations in your head about what you want from a draft. But the reality is we're not <laughs> like we're not we're not Howie Rose, like Howie Roseman has different expectations going in. And he identified Jalen Hurts as a guy that was valued there. And I think the the other thing when you compare it with the Packers is like this is an actionable item. Josh McCown played in your playoff game. Josh McCown, he was coaching high school football and they had to, he was flying him every weekend from Charlotte to Philly so he could play for the team because they were worried that they, somebody might get like, there's a very clear cut situation of multiple years where a backup quarterback was paramount to the Eagles having success in the postseason. So why are people bitching and moaning about this? Like if, and if worst case scenario, Jalen Hurts ends up being a good backup and you spin him off for a first or second round pick. The Eagles have been doing this for years under Andy Reid. Yeah. Right, I, 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 Eagles fans are just so upset, but I think a lot of the reason maybe they're upset. Did, did Eagles fans want them to trade up and get a better receiver? Eagles fans it, won it. Mims at 53. He went six spots later to the Jets at 59. Mims was like the clear-cut choice. There was even some A.J. Epinesu who went a couple spots later, but I think everybody kind of wanted that Broncos approach and taking a receiver within the top two picks. So it's so it's really more about not taking Mims than it is about taking Hurts. Yeah, and every time Mims catches a pass from Darnold, Eagles fans will be on Twitter. I can guarantee you that, saying, oh, look at what he did. And this Hurts thing, like we discussed, it may not pay off in week one or week eight, but I truly believe it's it's going to pay off as an on-field weapon, as an insurance policy, and as a long-term asset. That's a lot of value at number 53. And one other name they could have drafted there that maybe Eagles fans are mad about, Christian Fulton, who was not expected to be available that late. And I know they... They've traded for Darius Slay to upgrade that secondary, but you know you don't need more. You don't need one superstar, you know, corner in this league anymore. Like if you could have two or three, that's ideal. And he was a, he was projected to be you know late first round pick, and he went sixty one. So I think that also could have made sense. I don't have a problem with the pick, but I could see why Eagles fans would be disappointed seeing Christian Fulton and Mims there and them not taking them. Also, like Mims uh, Wilson, you can speak to this more than I can probably because I. I I, I admittedly have not grinded on a bunch of Denzel Mims tape. Uh, but I feel like Mims is very boomer busty. Like I, like, I don't think, like, he, he sort of shot up late in the process. There are teams that like him. He's, you know, he's got speed and all of that. Uh, you know, got, I mean, he's very fast, but he's not like, he doesn't have the best hands in the world, right? Yeah, he had some focus drops during the year, but he, he, you didn't see that at the Senior Bowl for sure. Um, yeah, he, he dominated the Senior Bowl and then he ran well at the Combine. The thing is, when you do watch him, while he does make a lot of acrobatic catches and high point catches the ball and he's a great red zone target, for running a 4-3-8, he didn't always separate like you thought a guy who ran a 4-3-8 did. So I'm sure that was a concern for, for some teams. And he's raw, and there's no getting around that. He, he didn't run a lot of uh, – didn't have a lot of route variety at Baylor. Um, but he was also the only show in town at Baylor, so he was making plays over guys. And, and you could argue that the competition he was facing wasn't terrible. A lot of those guys – everybody in TCU's defense got drafted pretty much in the top three rounds, it felt like. Hey. So – by the way, you know who else didn't take Denzel Mims? Matt Rule. He could have taken Denzel Mims at fifty at thirty eight, and he didn't. So I mean, uh, I, just, I understand. I know where you're going, where you're going with that, but I mean, first of all, the outrage by Panthers fans because that team has they have eleven needs on defense basically. Well, 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 no, we'll get to the Panthers in a minute. I'm just saying, like his old coach from Baylor didn't take him at thirty eight. That's, that's my my guess as to why. Okay. All right. Let's uh let's move along. We to- are on pace for a 320 minute podcast 
just in case anyone is scoring at home or if Devo's scoring. Yeah, we're we – So coming up after the break, we'll do the <laughs> – We got a hard out in 54 minutes, so let's, let's – let's. Uh, The Dallas Cowboys, Wilson, they had a fantastic draft. If you – I can't fathom a, a situation where you don't give them an A, even though they took C.D. Lamb, an embarrassment of riches at wide receiver for the Cowboys. Now, uh, uh, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb, that is effing ridiculous. Yep. Hey, and so this is—I said this probably 500 times uh, on yesterday's Sunday's uh, HQ. CD Lamb, Trevon Diggs, Neville Gallon were the first three picks. I would imagine having having not gone and, and looked at it, probably half of my mock drafts had all three of those guys going in the first round at some point. So they got basically three potential first-round talents in the first three rounds without having to do anything in terms of trading up or, or trading players or anything. And then Reggie Robinson out of Tulsa, the cornerback. He's physical and, and he, he, I think he has a chance to be good. He's a little handsy downfield, but you'd rather have someone who's big and physical as someone who's sort of undersized and, and needs to gain weight. Tyler Biotis is the center out of Wisconsin. There was some first round buzz about him last summer, but he got hurt and he played injured and he did not play well. I don't know if that, if he's going to have a chance to, to be, uh, the, the replacement for Travis Frederick because we know Breach's guy <laughs> Joe Looney is still there. I'm the Connor McGovern. Not a, not a good pick for your boy, Breach. Not a good pick. Uh, although we'll see. Yeah, I think Biagi is a flyer. He he should have been a day one, a day day one, day two guy um, eight months ago. And then I think injuries are, are, are concerned. The Bradley Knight, the last guy I mentioned, the the uh, edge rusher out of Utah. He has a lot of games where you watch him and he flashes. He's just not very athletic, so I don't know how that's going to translate. But a great value pick, as they say. Yeah, I, I think it's amazing how well the first two rounds unfolded for the Cowboys. It, it, no one expected CD Lamb to be there. I think in all of our mocks, we probably had them going edge rusher like Caleb on chase on or a corner if whatever corner was there whether it was cj henderson or someone else but they had to pull the trigger on cd lamb i don't i don't see how you can pass that you just have to go best player available at that point even if you're already loaded at the quarterback position but then to be able to get trevon Diggs at 51 i think he's a guy if you look at a lot of mocks he was going at the end of first round or very early in the second round i think i was mocking them um him to the chiefs at the end of the first round so be able to get a for potential first round talent at 51, after you didn't address a big need at 17, but added to a strength. I don't think this could have unfolded any better for the Cowboys. Yeah, uh, this was uh, – yeah, I'll just screw with you guys. <laughs> Cowboys had a good draft. Uh, no, I mean, look, the Cowboys had a great draft. It's there's they When Traps and I did our our, uh, our recap, we picked, like, best draft, and Cowboys was fair, a fairly easy choice. I mean, there were a couple of other teams that could qualify, but no doubt about it, they crushed it. What about the Giants, Wilson? What grade would you give them? I'll give them uh, a B minus. Excuse me, I had to clear my throat real quick there. Uh, Phil Nobby need up top with Andrew Thomas. Xavier McKinney is uh, a lot of people thought a, a first round possibility there um, to the to the um, Cowboys. In fact, as Sean was talking about their other possible landing spots at seventeen, but he lasted around two. They got him there, the best safety on the board. Matt Peart is a uh, left tackle, has to get stronger, but he you know projection type guy. Got more help along the offensive line with Shane Lemieux out of Oregon. He played on the best offensive line in college. And the guy that I sort of like the most um, out of this day three uh, uh, hall, Cam Brown, the linebacker out of Debo's Penn State, 6'5", by 235. He's – I hate to call guys the size of stature, mini Isaiah Simmons, but he's built with that sort of frame, and he has uh, glimpses of that sort of versatility. Um, he ain't playing safety, but he can run around a lot, so I, I do like that. So, yeah, it's a good draft. Build some needs. A lot of these day three guys probably won't make the roster. 
or at least have to do as a special teams. Carter Coughlin's undersized as an edge rusher. Tay Crowder is the Mr. Irrelevant if that gets you gets you going there. But um, this would be uh, type of picks that make Daniel Jones happy. Uh, it was a very Dave Gettleman draft. I thought our colleague Jared Dubin had a great point that um, it like all, you know all the fluff about the Dolphins not wanting to take Tua was it sort of overshadowed all the fluff from Dave Gettleman about trading down from four. Like you weren't doing that. You were never I, trading down from four, Dave. Why was Dave I, wearing a mask in his house? Do we know the answer to that? Okay, so Dave Gettleman had cancer, so I don't think that we can uh, criticize him for wearing the mask in his house. Criticize? But, asking. But I will say that he was not wearing it correctly on the third day of the draft. And some people might say, why are you wearing it in your house? Because I wasn't wondering it because I knew he had had cancer. So, you know, obviously you want to be as proactive as possible and wear that mask. And I wasn't thinking about the fact that there are strangers in his house because he had a tech guy in there working that camera. So that's what you obviously in his situation do want to wear it. Uh, And I didn't think about that extra person being in there. There you go. Thank you. Either. No, I mean, look, it was a it was a. It was certainly a question that I think people were asking as they were watching the draft. But yeah, I mean, look, you know, if you want to wear a mask, hey, you know what? You want to wear a mask? Wear a mask. Yeah, you're not, not comfortable. Not. They're a pain in the ass. We might have to wear them for a while, but wear the mask. It's not just for you, it's for everybody else. By the way, I will say quickly about the Giants. Uh, Joe Judge's house looks amazing. He had those garage windows on the second floor. It looked like he was at a golf course, or maybe he was at some resort or something, but it, that, that's a nice little setup he had there. I didn't see Joe Judge's house. Yeah, Google his uh, setup, and he'll he's the picture. Well, awesome. Too busy, just 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 infatuated with Cliff Kingsbury's setup. I mean, my God! The like t- I said on one of the podcasts, I'm sure Bill Belichick looked at that and just laughed. So this guy has no chance of being a winner. <laughs> he's not sitting at the kitchen table with his dog. Belichick won the draft with that with that dog. We'll get to Belichick in a second. Let's uh, wrap up the division with the Washington Redskins. What's your grade for them, Wilson? I mean, Chase Young's a home run. I'm going to give him a B minus. They did fill needs. I love Antonio Gibson uh, out of out of Memphis. He's a running back slash wide receiver. We'll probably use as a running back. He's built like uh, I want to say Adrian Peterson, a little shorter in terms of just being thick, but he ran a sub four four, and he will truck people. Sadiq Charles went in the third round, I believe, uh, the tackle at LSU. That obviously fills a need that Trent Williams was sent back into the West Coast. Antonio Gandy Golden's an interesting prospect in that he's six four. Uh, large target as a wide receiver. But here's the thing, and I said this a few times on HQ, he reminds me of your buddy Kelvin Harmon. Ooh, that, I heard he's that. A big, big target, doesn't run well. So we'll see what happens. He ran better than Kelvin Harmon did at the combine, so I don't want to put that on him. And, and then some day three guys that can help, including your guy James Smith-Williams, who will have to battle to make the roster. Okay. Uh, next division, we're moving along to the NFC North, the home of the Chicago Bears, but no, we will not indulge in Sean's little, uh, uh, tra- poor, tragic, tra- what are they, what are they calling it? Uh, whatever they call it, like the, the various things that ESPN, they, they, ESPN trotted out. Tragedy top, porn. Tragedy porn. It was out of control. Like, I'm not criticizing the broadcast, but like, I mean, how big is the file that Tom Rinaldi has on these prospects and the things that they've gone through? It's insane. It was, it was just, it was like, like you would see, it would be like, they would post a graphic and then Rinaldi would pop up. You're like, oh boy. Do you think Tom Rinaldi is like the, like a homicide detective that when he goes home at night, he just can't deal with all the stuff he's dealt, had, had to go through during the course of his day and all the, all the, the traumatic things that he's had to, to relive with these poor kids? 
No, I think Tom Rinaldi's like lying awake in his bed at night, like who, whose death can I find? I, I, I just it, like Rinaldi. I mean, you guys don't watch a ton of college football, right? Like, I, I watch a little bit. <laughs> I mean, it, <laughs> I don't watch as much as Ryan. <laughs> Ryan, you watch college football for work. You don't. You don't like. You don't sit down and watch college game day, right? Like, you don't watch the intro for the. Usually I don't. That's right. 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 They're, they're, they're like Rinaldi does these things for college game day. Like every week it's like all of a sudden they'll be like, and now let's throw it to Tom Rinaldi. And it's like, they like the, you hear the pianos over the back and it's like, you know, it's going to be this like tear jerking, like, and, and but they just, I think they did it because it was on ABC, you know, like they were trying to make it more of a, uh, they were trying to humanize the broadcast and make it a little less football-y. And you saw a shift in the way that they handled it on Saturday, but we don't need to get into the broadcast aspect of it. Uh, let's get to the Packers. Sean, what grade? Oh, speaking of tragedy porn, what grade would you give the Packers <laughs> draft? <laughs> I gave them an F and I kind of feel like we're all going to agree. Like that's not, I feel like normally when someone gives an F, at least one push in, person pushes back. I don't see any rational argument you can make. I thought the Packers thought this was the mock draft and they were confused and they were making the picks they weren't supposed to make. And then they found out at the end that it was the real draft and now they're screwed. I mean, we talked about with the Eagles drafting Jalen Hurts. I think it's fine to take a quarterback at the end of the, at the end of the first round. It's not what I would have done, but I think it's justifiable. But when we were talking about it on Thursday night where we're like look they've still got you know how many more picks left to go and let's not judge this pick and let's see what players they add to help Aaron Rodgers right now so what do they do they add a bruising old school running back when they already have Aaron Jones who is you know one of the better running backs in in football they go and they add a tight end uh, I don't think that was a need that we thought pegged them for and by the end of the entire draft they had nine picks and it was a historically deep wide receiver draft. We've been talking about that for months. They did not take a single receiver. I don't know how you can give this draft a passing <laughs> grade. I think the best grade you could spin it for is a D. Because, look, if Jordan Love ends up being the next Aaron Rodgers, the draft's an A. I don't think we have confidence that he's going to be the next Aaron Rodgers. And they didn't bolster that pick by helping Rodgers in the short term. I gave it a D. And basically for the reasons you laid out, it's just you can't you cannot have nine draft picks and take zero wide receivers in the in the best wide receiver class in the history of professional football <laughs> with needs at wide receiver. It's not like they were already stacked at the position. Devin Funches, Ryan. Devin Funches. Were yeah. you were you were you following along with like the Packers, like the beat writers and like like Aaron Nagler, who's a friend of the show, um, he was tweeting about it and he's like, Okay, he's like, they're on the clock one more time. They just they have to take a receiver, right? It's like it it almost felt a JLC, Jason Lock Ford mentioned this, like it almost felt like an F you to Aaron Rodgers. Like well, what, I, I think Florio wrote Florio wrote like Aaron should Aaron Rodgers ask for a trade? I mean, that's ridiculous, but like uh, maybe. Why? Yeah. Why? What's the? I don't understand the reason. Who? Who does that benefit by pissing off Aaron Rodgers? Uh, exactly. Because they don't want him. That, I mean, like, look, I gave. Wait a second. Wait, wait, breach. Wait. If you don't want him, why don't you trade him and make your football team better instead of just taking a bunch of guys that don't help anybody? <laughs> I mean, like, let's. I mean, what if they don't want him? I mean, did, did Gutekunst sign him to the contract, or was it the was it before he got promoted? Well, I so just Gutekunst promoted in January 2018. This is Gutekunst's second draft. And by the way, the last yeah. year was secretly not that great. So. Oh, not good at all. When I went through and I had to pick every GM's best and worst pick and all that, I mean, he hasn't had many drafts in charge, right? But so, I mean, at, and, and those guys have had one year. So right, we're talking, right. Like, it's hard because you have to like, oh, this guy might end up being good. But you look at last year, Rashawn Gary certainly didn't 
do what we, his projection was. And that was a so, questionable pick at the time, by the way. Yeah, at twelve, signed, he he was the one that did Aaron Rodgers' extension. Okay, but it was like his first act, right? It was almost like a it was a done. You team. had to do it. You couldn't not do that. At that well, time. I'll ask again. If they don't want him, why would you not trade him instead of just taking a bunch of guys that makes your team immeasurably worse? Well, I mean, I, I don't know if you know this, Ryan, but uh, trading Aaron Rodgers is not exactly like – it's not like going to the grocery store. Like you're not – like. I would imagine you can find suitors for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you can't trade Aaron Rodgers and not get two first-round picks back, right? I don't know. I, I wasn't but thinking about trading if, Aaron Rodgers. If the Packers trade Aaron Rodgers for a fourth-round pick – there will be riots. Who the hell is talking about a fourth round pick? What are you doing? Well, but, but that's my point is like, but who is giving up two first round picks for Aaron Rodgers? The quarterback, the, so well, James Winston in a minute, but he just, he had to like take a one year deal to be Taysom Hill's backup. I mean, so like, plan B is just to do a horrible draft and see how that goes over. No, I think that plan B is Rodgers, they know is his start, the starter in 2020. There's no way this team's going to be 13 and three in 2020. The schedule's harder. They're going to regress. They have no receivers. They're going to run the single wing. They're going to go like eight and eight at best. And that's going to open up and give them excuse to move on from Rodgers. And that's where you say, all right, we're going to dump them. Cause here's the thing. I give them an F like Sean, but I'm giving an F because it is my F is what the F are they doing? Because no one knows, you know, and, and here is when I look at this draft, when you take Jordan Love in the first round, if you're the Packers, what is now your best case scenario? Is it Jordan Love starting in 2021 so you don't look like dumb dumbs for wasting your first round pick and having him in the bench for uh, a multiple years? Or is your best case scenario Aaron Rodgers playing out his contract because he has this chip on his shoulder now and leads him to the playoffs for four straight years? But if that happens, then your first round pick doesn't play at all for four years and then your pick looks stupid. So like, well, you got to the playoffs four straight years. I mean, but I, but, I but then you wasted your first round pick. So the playoffs four straight years. So did you waste the pick? But because Aaron Rodgers, the guy you're trying to replace, made your pick look bad. Like, yeah, that's not well, a good thing. On a your logic, taking Jordan Love uh, puts a chip on Aaron Rodgers' shoulder. He plays better, and you go to the playoffs four straight years. So maybe that's your way of motivating him in your. Your so world. your way of motivating him is wasting your first round yeah. pick and not putting any weapons around him. No, this is an Aaron oh, Rodgers. But your alternative is, oh, but we're going to the playoffs four straight years. So that to me says it's not a waste. I mean, okay, yes. what if they go nine and seven for four straight years and only make the playoffs once? Well, where it's not plan, then your plan I, A comes into effect. They can get rid of them. But I'm saying the best case scenario, no matter would, which way you do it, doesn't make any sense. There's no I good agree. best it's case scenario. Wilson, Wilson, hold on. Walk, walk me through your plan A and plan B again. <laughs> What's like plan A is get rid of him. Plan B is like make him mad. Like what? what are these are terrible plans. What are you, are you listening? No. Readjust your wig, dum dum. That's exactly what Brees just said. What, all right, wait, wait, wait. The wig's coming to your ear holes. Look, the point is that this draft is so bad that we're like, are they trying to like, like get Aaron Rodgers to just like, said that. I was just asking Brees. I was being, in your words, devil's avocado. I just wanted to, to see, make Brees explain himself. I gave them a D. That, that's the best grade here. You're the only one it's defending the he like, well, cause, and also, and also, like, if you think Jordan Love is going to yeah. be really good, then you have to give him a slightly better grade, because, like I said, I don't think this is going to happen. If Jordan Love ends up being the next Aaron Rodgers, this draft's an A, the rest is irrelevant, but the odds are that's not going to happen. I, I, I mean, we talked about this a lot after Thursday's draft, and like, I, again, like, we, you know, we talked about the, the, the Eagles too, like, if you like Jordan Love, and you believe he is going to be a franchise quarterback, then you take him there, and that's okay. But it is a total disservice to Aaron Rodgers to not take a single wide receiver in the greatest right. wide receiver draft 
we've seen in years. Uh, even though I will say that like their picks didn't line up great with the receiver runs. They and had the eight picks. Clearly, one of them had who to be. Who was available at 62? 62 was the last. Uh, well, why are you taking an old school running back that sounds like he's out of Friday Night Lights? Who did they take? AJ oh, like, Dillon. Oh yeah, AJ Dillon's a stud, but he has like twenty-two. He had, it's he, just, but it's just not value for that team. You don't need that. So here, the, like here, maybe if he's there in the sixth round, yes, you don't need that at round two. So do the the Jets trade it up to get Mims at fifty-nine? The uh, Rams traded up, or do they got the Van Jefferson with the um, the so they, pick? So the, they, the the receivers taken after AJ Dillon were. They could have gotten Brian Edwards at 81. Brian Edwards is a really good player, and he would complement very nicely what Devontae Adams offers on the other side of the field. Uh, Some of these guys are good. These later guys. Like Devin they, DeFer- they could have gotten like Josh Jones. They could have gone with an offensive lineman at 62. Yeah. You know, like they didn't have to go receiver. They could have just made a smart pick that wasn't a running back. And, and, and one of the moves I feel like that's gone, been the most overlooked from the team adding him and the team losing him is Brian Bulaga leaving leaving Green Bay. Like, I think that is a massive loss for the Packers that no one has talked about, especially when you think about the pass rushers in the NFC North. And when you talk about the Chargers, that was a great upgrade that they got at right tackle. All right, let's go to the Chicago. Uh, well, real quick on LaFleur, as his evil twin brother, it really feels like two things could be happening here. One, you know, we saw what he did in Tennessee with Derrick Henry. He didn't know what he was doing. They tried to run this run-heavy offense, and he – I, it imploded. It just didn't work. And that's, not, you know, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers didn't get good until Matt LaFleur left. Right. And then also, you know, he's off this, uh, Kyle Shanahan tree branch. And now, it's, you know, he's like, oh, San Francisco just went to the Super Bowl and, and crushed us twice. Maybe if I run an offense similar to that, because the 49ers had the second most rushing our carries in the, our, yeah, the entire NFL last season. And so maybe seeing we're just going to run it, run it, run it. I don't care if Aaron Rodgers is our quarterback. Uh, so maybe that's his plan. I don't know, but it just it all seems a little weird, and they're going to go eight and eight next season. The Packers uh, signed thirteen guys to their practice squad, according to our latest update on CBSports.com. One wide receiver, so one wide receiver out of twenty-one picks. <laughs> uh, here's, here's Brian Gutekunst, by the way. It wasn't like we weren't looking to add to that wide receiver competition. We just felt that there wasn't there wasn't a lot of great candidates that were locks to make our team next year. Uh, Gutekunst said he also referred to the receivers third year as their quote sweet spot where those guys really take off, uh, meaning Alan Lazard, Marcus Valdez, Scantling, Jake Kumaro and uh, Equinomius St. Brown. So you could argue. So, look, Brian Edwards was there. Devin DuVernay, you mentioned, was there. Then I think uh, Antonio Gandy Golden was the next one. And look, I understand. But I think DuVernay. We'll come back and we'll see who had, who's more productive next year, um, Brian Edwards, DuVernay, or, or A.J. Dillon. But you could argue, if you're Gutekunst's uh, adversary as to why you didn't take a wide receiver, that you could have traded literally every pick from second to seventh and traded up and gotten the best wide receiver you could have gotten, and it would have been a better draft than what they came away with. Well, and then also there was some speculation that, that the Packers traded up to get Jordan Love. Because remember, there was no between 26 and 31 that was going to take a quarterback. So the speculation was that the Colts might do it, but the Colts didn't take a quarterback till the fourth round. So like they, the, the Packers are just 
putting stories out there to make their dumb trade up look smart. And by the way, we'll get to, I know we'll get to the Colts, but that's the, the way the Colts did it by planning for the future with the developmental quarterback, I thought was the way to actually do it that all these teams should have followed. See if it works. On paper, it looks great now, but you know, a lot of times those day three quarterbacks don't end up being much. All right. right but it's a low risk is my point. Yeah. Diva has written bears 14 times. Um, if the Packers had, if the Packers had traded up and taken, written bears 14 times back to the Packers. No, I just mean like so like the 49ers traded up and got Brandon Ayuk ahead of the Packers. If the Packers had landed Brandon Ayuk in the first round and then traded up and gotten Denzel Mims and came out of this with Brandon Ayuk and Denzel Mims, we would be like, A plus, they're going all in on Rodgers. This is incredible. Like, how are you going to stop these weapons? So, I, I, you know, look, so draft a friggin' receiver. How about the Bears? They didn't draft until 43 when they screwed me and took Cole Komet and cost me two units because I took his over and it was 43 and a half. And despite having nine <laughs> tight ends, Ryan Bleepin' Pace took another tight end, his tenth tight end. What's your grade for the Bears? And so? that's why I'm giving them a B. I mean, they spited you. Here. No, what? I actually, I, I actually didn't hate this draft. I didn't love it. Now, I didn't like the commit pick at the time, but I was, they picked seven picks later at 50. And so I was like, I want to see what they do at 50 before I rush to judge that 43 pick. And getting Jalen Johnson, I thought at 50 was tremendous value, whereas Cole commit at, at 43 was not good value. BMAC was on the show multiple times on the video show, talking up Jalen Johnson as one of his favorite corners in the draft, uh, talking about his film study, his technique. And so I, for so much of this process, was thinking he was going to be a very early second round pick or maybe even a late first round pick. We were talking about how, how many corners could go in that first round. So getting him at 50, I thought was tremendous value. I don't love the Cole Commit pick, but I don't like the argument where they've got nine tight ends. You can't take another one. The reason they have nine tight ends is because none of them are any good. Those guys aren't going to be on the final roster. It's not like they added to a deep area of the roster. They added to arguably the worst area of the roster. But I would have rather I would have rather have seen them go corner in safety with both of those picks, but I think getting Jalen Johnson helps alleviate that pick. I do agree. They had bigger needs than tight end, but it's not like tight end's a strength for them. Go but ahead. I'm just saying that if Ryan Pace had nine chances to find a tight end and couldn't do it, why would you trust him to find a tenth tight end? Uh, I think that's faulty logic. I mean, the, look at the guys he signed. They're not making big money outside of Jimmy Graham. Like, yes, he has signed some bad players, but if, if you're going to use the nine guys on the roster, a lot of those guys are just practice squad fillers that you take, you know, on one year cheap deals. So I agree. He's not been good in tight ends, but he did get the best tight end in this draft. It was a position of need. Again, I'm not giving them an A. I would have rather seen them go all in on safety and corner as opposed to going tight end and corner. But I'd love the fact they got Jalen Johnson there at 50. You're not giving them A. There has to be a homer tax. If you're grading your home team's fan that you love, we got it down the grade from you're not giving A on our own website. All their they got two D's and three C's for five of their picks. Okay, but the two D's them wait, wait, wait. the two D's are seventh round picks though. Breach. What seventh round picks are A's? Every seventh round pick is a D. Every seventh round pick is not a D, Sean. I mean, so look, the reality is, you know, Benjamin was it's, an A for the Cardinals. It's a C, Boom, it's a C, on. it's a C draft at best, and. <laughs> Sean, and Sean gave him a B because he's a Bears fan. Let's move right. on. Oh, wait, can I hear Ryan? What would Ryan's grade be? We were we were on pace for a 380 minute podcast. Now we're on pace for a 490. Act like this podcast. is my fault. You're out here telling Ryan. You're muted you. again. <laughs> That's because Are I Vikings for other people. Vikings. No, I want to say quickly that uh, I like Travis Gibson and Kendall Vildor. They're actually really athletic uh, players, and, and they have a chance to be good down the road. So those, those aren't bad picks either. All right, go on to the Vikings. I give them an A. 
I thought they had an incredible draft and were the clear winners in the NFC North. They had 15 players, according to Warren Sharp. They turned so they turned 12 picks into 15 picks by overall like most value added to the draft. The Vikings led the way, according to Warren Sharp. Uh, Justin Jefferson, we've talked about him, perfect fit for that offense, exactly what they needed when they got rid of um, Stephon Diggs. Jeff Gladney filled a huge need because they lost three corners. Um, what else did they do? They Ezra Cleveland in second round, both for the offensive line. That's obviously important. We talk all the time about how Kirk Cousins needs a good offensive line, a good fit for the zone blocking scheme. And then they got another corner in the third round. And then they went and got an edge rusher in round four. And that's important because Everson Griffin is still on the side. So I thought they did a great job of adding value, getting as many picks as possible, and then filling needs um, where they needed them because they lost a lot in free agency. Uh, the Vikings were actually my most underrated team on the podcast with Trapasso. Um, I, I, yeah. They had 42 picks, so it's hard to call them underrated, but I just think they let the value come to them. And as, as Trap said, and I agree with it completely, like they had three clear needs, and those three needs were met with great value in the first three picks that they had. So it's going to be difficult to be mad about their draft. All right, what about the Lions, Sean? I gave them a B minus. So I like the Akuda pick at three. I would have preferred to see them trade down, but absent of an offer to trade down, I think they picked the player. I would have preferred to see them pick after losing Darius Slay, and I think secondary is more important than taking a defensive lineman and turning defensive lineman, which was my fear that they might take like Derek Brown at that spot. I didn't love taking Swift in round two. I expect there will be some pushback on that. They took on Johnson in the second round two years ago. I don't know if you should be wasting second-round picks on running backs uh, twice in two years. Um, Xavier McKinney was still on the board. He went to the next pick to the Giants. I would have rather seen the Lions add Xavier McKinney. Remember, they traded Quandre Diggs for a fifth-round pick during the season, so they had a need at safety. Um, and I didn't like the fact they took another running back in round five. Uh, you don't need a double down by taking two running backs when you are a team like the Lions that has as many holes as they as they have. Any thoughts, Ryan, on your boy Matt Patricia? Uh, wasn't the worst draft in that division. <laughs> Two divisions down, two more to go. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk about the Jameis Winston signing with the Saints as well as Taysom Hill's contract extension and what New Orleans did in the draft. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. 
Visit roberthalf.com today. Uh, let's go to the NFC South. Uh, I am grading the NFC South, and I will start things off with the Saints, who uh, confused and perplexed me because they only had four picks. But I think they actually did a pretty good job with those four picks. Uh, Tommy Stevens, I think, was a surprise uh, selection. Um, but they got Cesar Ruiz in the first round, and then they came back and got Zach Bond, uh, the uh, outside linebacker out of Wisconsin. Is that right? I'm now starting to question whether or not I know anything about these guys. Uh, in the se- in the third round, which is a frankly at the 74th overall, that felt like a steal. He was mocked to uh, to go in the first round for a lot of people, and then Adam Troutman, a nice day three uh, tight end at 105 overall. I think. It's sort of the opposite with the like. It's just it's hard to give a team that didn't get a ton, didn't have a ton of picks a great grade. I could even go B flat here. Maybe more importantly, they signed Jameis Winston. I mean, I don't know if I give him a B. The Cesar Ruiz thing, I just don't understand. I know Larry Warford's in the last year of his deal, but you got Eric McCoy last year in the second round to play center, and then you have uh, Pete on the other side. You signed him to a long term deal. Where's Ruiz going to play? So that's that's my question. I it's sort of weird. I, I mean, but again, it just like. Um, the Patriots, they weren't in the Jordan Love business. So I love Adam Troutman. He could be a fun guy to watch, especially in that offense. Um, I had him ranked a little higher than Komet, but, you know, we'll see how that works out. And I know um, Debo's super pumped about Tommy Stevens. <laughs> do, um, Sean, what do you think about this fit for Jameis? I, I, I mean, for him, it's great. I mean, if he wasn't going to get a starting job, which was very likely unless the Patriots all of a sudden changed their minds and wanted to hand him the job. He needed to go somewhere and take a backup job, and he took the perfect place where he can sit behind Drew Brees. If he, he's young enough where if he impresses in practice in front of Sean Payton, he could decide that we are going to build an offense around you. If I mean, look, it didn't work with Bruce Arians. He's a great offensive coach. It probably won't work with Sean Payton. But if there is a coach you can get it out of him, it's probably Sean Payton. I do think it's funny that James's Eaton W speech came before a game with the Saints. And in his career, he has thrown 11 touchdowns and 10 interceptions against the Saints, which are very James Winston numbers. So he has proven throughout his career that he can throw passes and, and complete them to the Saints. So maybe this will work out. And, and by the way, in addition to James Winston, they also gave Taysom Hill an extension. Uh, two years per, per Charles Robinson, a uh, friend of the program. Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports. You know, I once did a podcast with Greg Doyle, and our first guest was uh, Charles Robinson. Good dude, that Charles Robinson. Uh, two-year deal with Taysom Hill, $21 million with $16 million guaranteed and an additional million dollars in incentives that he can earn. Um, I, I, it's like people are like, every step of the way, it's like, Sean Payton's blowing smoke on Taysom Hill. And it's like, no, I think Sean Payton might now just be proving that he really does love Taysom Hill. Or he doesn't want Taysom Hill. How do you sign Jameis Winston when you have been saying Taysom Hill is your quarterback of the future? And Taysom Hill's probably blowing him up on the cell phone like, yo, Sean, what's up, man? Is this all just lies? Like, I want to quit the team. Sean's like, all right, man, we got a present for you. How about 16 mil guaranteed? Taysom Hill's about to be 30. or He's getting old up. He's like, all right, 16 million guaranteed. I don't care. This guy's making the easiest money of his life. He's only going to take like 10 snaps ever at quarterback, and he's already made a, a load of money here. And uh, I do have one fun fact about this signing, about the Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston signings. Oh, it is a tweet. Are you going to read that tweet? It is that <laughs> Jameis Winston has thrown more complete passes to Saints players than Taysom Hill has since 2017. Whose tweet was that? That is from Thomas Basinger. Oh, it is? Because that's great. Somebody else tweeted it. Interesting. Yeah, I thought I saw somebody. Who else tweeted it? Who's, who, who's us first? Oh, we can check that. I mean, it's pretty easy. Who's Thomas Basinger? 
works for the Tampa Bay Times. Uh, that covers is, the Bucks. That's Breach's. Um... Wait, where did you get it, Wilson? Who tweeted it for you? But how crazy is that? Jameis Winston has thrown more completions right. to Saints players than Taysom Hill has. That's mind blowing. What what time? Six fifty. Uh, so nine fifty Eastern was Thomas Basinger. Whoa. That doesn't tell me anything. Nine fifty Eastern today. Yeah. Today. A.M. Yes, Eastern. Mm. Master uh, Master Tess of uh, is he? What is he? Bleacher Report now. Yeah, I think he so. tweeted it at eleven eighteen a.m. It's a fact. So who knows how you got it? Yeah. Um, Anyway, that's a that's a that's a great fact. Great fact. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers they traded up one spot from fourteen to thirteen in order to get uh, Tristan Wirfs. Then they came back and got my my guy, my guy, Antoine Winfield. Uh, they also also added Tyler Johnson, Chappelle Russell, uh, Khalil Davis, a very nice uh, third day pick, and Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, I get the Bucks an A minus. Any issues with that, uh, Wilson? No, it's a good it's a, it's a good draft, especially for Tommy Brady, and um, uh, you know I talked all the time about if they have to trade up to get a, a, a offensive tackle, then they're going to have to lose probably that second or third round pick. They didn't have to do it because they only had to go up one spot, so they still got a running back. They they got a safety instead of a, of a um, wide receiver, but they got Tyler Johnson on day three, and he feels like he's going to be really good. I, I think he's sort of immature. That was some of the concerns why he fell in the draft, but in that offense with Tom Brady. And a little oversight, maybe he'll um, he'll be focused, and th- that could be fun. All right, Panthers. I give the Panthers an A plus. They went seven picks, all defense, and I thought they made great selections, including Derek Brown, first round, Yitter Gross Matos, and the second, that's that's a name that uh, my I would tell my wife like she'd be like like. Yeah, this is a real draft prospect. His name is Yetter Gross Matos. He's like, you're, you're just a liar. Uh, and then the, came back up in the second round again to get Jeremy Chen, the safety out of Southern Illinois. They picked up Troy Pride, Kenny Robinson, Bravion Roy, and Stantley. Is that Stantley? Not even Stanley. Stantley Thomas Oliver the third. No, you're not welcome on this podcast. <laughs> that was actually my wife. It's, it was, it's her birthday week. 39. Still happy so- birthday, AK. Tell her I said it and not anyone else. Breach says happy birthday. Sean and Ryan did not. That's not true. Happy birthday. Happy can't, birthday. You can't say that word on the podcast. Oh, you guys begrudgingly said it. That wasn't nice. My well, God. Because we got called out by Brinson. And, and also, Brinson gets hit with a homer penalty here, so the A-plus moves down to an A. I was going to say, Breach, you're criticizing it, me. For it was coming, Sean. I was <laughs> okay, waiting good. for the right moment. The <laughs> homer penalty. Tell, tell me, tell they me. They had a good draft. No, they had a good where, draft. Where's the bad pick by the Panthers here on a defense that allowed the most rushing touchdowns in football? As you're like, I think the Panthers, like, I, if you Matt, just said the Denzel Mims thing earlier in the show. What? He was using that as an example of Mims, not the Panthers, though. Jesus, keep up. Um, I, I, I think, the, I think the Panthers can be competitive. I, 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 I know that there are bigger buttholes than Brinson. I'll just put that out there. Excuse me. <laughs> what, what, what was the first part of that? <laughs> There are people that I know, few people that I know, not a lot, that are oh, bigger. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. I'm the yeah. biggest, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the biggest bubble. Yes, I, I would say my only issue with the Panthers draft was that they didn't take an offensive lineman. I just feel like that's their one weakness that's probably left that they could have. Uh, that's the only, I think they, they're in the A level, but that would be the only reason I don't give them an A plus. All right. Yeah. Real um, quick, and real quick, I, and I know you disagree. Callbacks on this one. Sorry, Sean. All right, next team. Let's go. <laughs> I was going to say, I would have preferred Isaiah Simmons at seven, but. Okay. Duly noted. Next team. 
I don't think that Isaiah Simmons and Shaq Thompson is necessarily a great formula at linebacker. Right? Ooh. Good I rebuttal, would just take the player. Okay. Well, that's why you were wearing a jersey and <laughs> wearing a t-shirt. Uh, the Falcons, they went with A.J. Terrell, Marlon Davidson, Matt Hennessy, Michael Walker, Jalen Hawkins, and Sterling Hoffreiter. Uh, I give the Falcons a C. Thank you. Next. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to the NFC West now? To the NFC West. John Breach is grading. Uh, we'll start with the 49ers. They earned my, uh, first, the, the inaugural Will Brinson, Charlie Hustle draft award for their insane amount of trading and maneuvering of the board. Uh, remember, they traded DeForest Buckner before the draft. They traded Marquise Goodwin during the draft. They traded Matt Breida during the draft. And they ended up coming away uh, with a pretty good haul here. Javon Kinlaw, Brandon Ayuk uh, in the first two rounds, Breach. Yeah, first round, two. I, I gave them – this is the one – we'll be going around the horn here so you guys can uh, rebuttal my buttle. But I gave them an A, because I, and I'm including not just the draft, but everything they did over the course of the draft, including those trades. They finally unloaded Marquise Goodwin. They got rid of Matt Breida. They had too many running backs. They didn't need five running backs on their roster. Uh, and obviously the big one was trading for Trent Williams because you have Joe Staley retiring. Then you, when you look at the actual draft, look, their two biggest things they did this offseason, they trade away to Forrest Buckner, so they need a defensive lineman. They got that with Javon Kinlaw. Uh, they, Emmanuel Sanders walked in free agency, went to New Orleans. They got Brandon Ayuk. So now you have two guys at much cheaper than it would have cost to keep Buckner and Sanders and who might end up being just as talented. You know, Kinlaw probably has a few years before he get to a divorce Buckner level, but he has the potential. And so when you look at those two big free agent losses or the guys they got rid of and they filled those holes plus Trent Williams, uh, I just loved what they did. I give him an A. Okay. I I think they did a great job. Oh, yeah, I didn't even mention the Trent Williams thing. They crushed it. The 49ers, the 49ers are a good team run by, like, Kyle Shanahan knows what he's doing. He just knows what he's doing, uh, and he probably should have had a job sooner. Uh, to the Cardinals, they got the aforementioned Isaiah Simmons. They picked up Josh Jones. They didn't have a second-round pick because they got DeAndre Hopkins. So what's your grade for them, Breach? Yeah, I give the Cardinals an A. I mean, the NFC West is just getting the rich get richer here. This is unbelievable. And the reason I love the fit with Isaiah Simmons is because he is this chess piece you can put anywhere on the field. And the NFC West is almost the best division to have him in because, look, if you need Isaiah Simmons out there helping you with tight end coverage, he can do that. And you need that because the 49ers have George Kittle. There are some good tight ends in this division. If you need someone to run around shadowing Russ, Russell Wilson so he doesn't rush for 150 yards and, and do the crazy things that Russell Wilson does, Isaiah Simmons can do that. And then Josh Jones falling in your lap. Uh, in the third round, you know who's going to love that? Kyler Murray, because he got sacked 48 times in 2019. That was tied for the most in the NFL. And Brinson, as you said, no second-round pick because they got DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, that was part of that trade. And so just those top three picks alone, they could have done nothing else in this draft. And that is A-level uh, what they did over the course of the past month, including the Hopkins trade. So I loved what the Cardinals did. How about uh, they tack on the local guy Eno Benjamin? I love I love Eno Benjamin. He's like, I, people call him a workhorse sometimes. I don't think that's the case. I think he's more like a speed explosive guy, but he's a perfect fit in in Cliff Kingsbury's offense. And, and Evan Weaver, I thought, was a really good pick. Uh, they had two good late round picks uh, at six and seven with Weaver uh, and Eno Benjamin. The Rams declined to use a late round pick on a running back because they used their second round pick and their first overall pick of the draft on one taking Cam. Acres out of Florida State. They tacked on Ryan's guy, Van Jefferson. 
Uh, what did you think about the Rams draft breach? I wanted to give the Rams an A plus because they drafted a guy from Miami of Ohio represent kicker, Sam yep. Sloman, who actually, uh, I think could end up being their kicker. He was like the fifth, to last pick in the entire draft in the seventh round. And I, this guy hit a 64 yarder in a Tropicana all American game back in January was awesome at Miami, but I know nobody cares about a Miami of Ohio kicker. Sean McVay's alma mater might have had something to do with that. Uh, but besides that seventh round pick, look, you get rid of Todd Gurley. The, the way that offense functions is by having a good running back that Sean McVay can trust because you have to take the heat off Jared Goff. Jared Goff is not going to carry you anywhere. So I do like this Cam Akers pick a lot. I, I love that they're trying to add offensive weapons, especially after trading Brandon Cooks. So I liked the Van Jefferson pick. And then Terrell Lewis kind of fell into the lap down with eight, 84th pick. So I gave the Rams a B for their overall draft. Now, you know, they traded away a bunch of picks and didn't have a first rounder. We can judge what they did before it, but just for the actual three days of the draft, I gave them a B. All right. Any complaints about the Rams? I, I would, I, I would say B is generous for them, but they didn't have a first round pick. So, well, I, I had a B minus and I upped it to the B because they drafted a Miami Ohio guy. I think they crushed it. I would, I, if I they crushed it, the Rams. Yeah. I love their draft. Thanks, Wilson. Feel better. Bryson Hopkins is going to be good. He's like a super athletic tight end. He had a few drops at, at Purdue, but if you get that, that tightened up and in that offense, he could be someone we're talking about next year, a couple of years from now. The, all these guys are going to, these offensive guys and even Terrell Lewis, he feels the need on the edge. The issues were injuries in 2017, 2018. So, um, yeah, I, I'm fine with that B. Okay. I, I don't. I don't love the idea that like you used a high pick, a fairly high pick, like a third round pick, I think on Daryl Henderson last year. You just got publicly shamed for the Todd Gurley contract and all that. And then you use your first pick on Cam Akers. Well, here's the thing. Like and I like Todd Gurley deal. I didn't like Daryl Henderson. I liked um, Devin Singletary better than Devil, Devin, uh, Daryl Henderson. So you make those mistakes, but I love Cam Akers. So I don't think you shy away from getting someone that's good. And if you get the right guy that's good, then, then finally do it at a relatively cheap price. I'm okay with that. I give them an F for paying their debts because they still need to write a check to Todd Gurley. Right. That's, that's the issue. How about that? I mean, I, they could have taken Jalen Hurts and upgraded the quarterback position. <laughs> uh, AJ Epinesa, J.K. Dobbins, Dobbins are running back. I, mean, I guess I can't give the Ravens credit for taking Dobbins and then – Complain about the the Rams taking. Although uh, if they taken Hurts, they would have gotten a quarterback and a running back, two for one. I <laughs> mean, like, like, wouldn't you prefer Ezra Cleveland to to Cam Akers? Not if you don't like Ezra Cleveland. I mean, that's what that's my takeaway. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't you prefer chocolate to spinach? Not if you don't like chocolate. Well, they prefer Ezra Cleveland to Cam Akers. That's my point. I mean, you know, you just said this. We we all have opinions, and then teams do things that zig when we want them to zag, which is a nice segue to the Seattle Seahawks. Boom. Play the Dickie V music. That's how you podcast. <laughs> I, I was just going to let Breach take it away from there, but I mean, you know, whatever you're going to do. Up, up, up. Can I just be our intro for now on? It's incredible. Right. Um, all right, Breach, give me the Seahawks grade. Seahawks, Jordan Brooks, Daryl Taylor, Damian Lewis, Colby Parkinson, DJ Dallas, Alton Robinson, Freddie Swain, and Steven Sullivan. Look, the Seahawks, they just do whatever they want. They don't care what anybody else is think. I swear, they just print out the spark scores from Nike, uh, from the combine, from whatever their formula is, and they just pick based on that. They, they don't care what is going to happen. They move by the beat of their own drum. Uh, Jordan Brooks, 
blew my mind in the first round. I didn't think that was going to happen. Uh, Daryl Taylor blew my mind in the second round. I feel like they overdrafted. I feel like they overdrafted their first three picks. Uh, but again, they always somehow win games up in the playoffs. So I gave their draft a C minus. I don't ever know what the hell the freaking Seahawks are doing. <laughs> I mean, like, like every, I mean, like, I, I, I'm petrified of criticizing the Seahawks after, I I, like, 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 I think it was old takes exposed before the draft tossed up, like, that old bleacher, that famous bleacher report article where it's just like setting Pete Carroll on fire for the Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson draft. <laughs> like, like, do you think the guy who wrote that is working in sports media today anymore? Cause I don't, I bet he is not. All right. So that is the NFC in a nutshell. We wrapped it up. It got long, but that works perfect because we can come back and do an AFC show tomorrow. Make sure to subscribe. Rate and review. We'll have grades for every single AFC team in the feed. Talk to Pete Prisco later this week and keep the draft content coming your way. Talk to you guys later. Bye.